All right, how are you doing? So this episode of the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast is being produced in association with Calm. So the camp- Calm is the campaign against living miserably. And Calm is a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide, which unbelievably is the biggest killer of men under the age of 45 in the United Kingdom. And men also constitute three quarters of all suicides in this country, which I think you'll agree are shocking statistics. So I'm really happy to support this cause through the podcast. Calm offers support to men who are down or in crisis and are intent on challenging the culture that stops men from speaking out and seeking help when they need it. Like a lot of people, I've been personally affected by this issue. So yeah, this is a cause that's really important to me. You can find out more about their uh, worthy work by checking out the website www.thecalmzone.net or by supporting calm initiatives such as Nelson's Tour de Test Valley, an annual cycling sportive held in memory of the much-loved and much-missed Nelson Pratt. This year's event, 2017, is being held on September the 16th in Hampshire. It's a truly beautiful celebration of Nelson's life, organised by his friends and family, that these days enjoys a reputation as one of the UK's top multi-route cycling sportives, but obviously more importantly, what Nelson's Tour de Test Valley does as an event is raise hundreds of thousands of pounds for Calm that has enabled that organisation to carry on its vital work. So yeah, find out more by heading over to www.thecalmzone.net and seeing what you can do to help and to find out more. All right, thanks a lot. Let's get on with it. Hello, friends. My name's Matt Bart, and you're listening to the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. It's my podcast where I try and uncover the most fascinating stories in action sports and other related endeavours. Um, thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy it. So as predicted, the podcast went a little bit mental last week after I released the Alex Honnold episode, um, particularly after he shared it to his well over half a million followers. Thank you for that, Alex. And I hope if you found your way to my little corner of the internet through that connection, you enjoyed it, got stuck into the back catalogue and are up for sticking around um, for a few more episodes to come. And another consequence of uh, the Alex podcast, which as you you will know if you listen to it, was quite a short notice arrangement. Was it this one with the UK surfer Ben Skinner's a little late? So if you've been looking forward to it, apologies for that. As you'll hear though, it's been uh, well worth waiting for this one. So Ben is one of UK surfing's most prominent and respected characters. Firstly, he's a world-class longboarder, uh, been a a big presence on the international longboarding scene for, for a while now. He also runs Skin Dog Surfboards with his close mate, Jason Gray. And that's where I headed when I was in Newquay for Boardmasters. I went down to their workshop in Newquay and uh, and caught with those boys. As it was Boardmasters week, there's a few references to it. As Ben was competing in the contest the next day. If you don't know the results, I'll let you know in the outro. So there's a bit of a geeky start to this one, mainly because I found myself in Ben Skinner's surfboard factory with Ben Skinner. And, you know... I geeked out a little bit and he's a surf geek as well. So he obviously got into it, but don't let that put you off. Ben's a legend. He's got tales and opinions for days, as you're going to hear. He's a role model and a super positive presence in UK surfing, which is something that he obviously takes really seriously. He's all about being inclusive, which is something that I found really refreshing. I mean, I'm going to say it. There is a real dickhead strain in surfing something that Jamie Brissick characterised as uh, conservatism. I would completely agree with that. 
there's a real sort of nimbyish, not in my backyard mentality to surfing, which I think people that don't know anything about surfing and have this idea that it's just like super free and easy world are always really surprised at when the reality is it's a hugely macho culture. So I just found it really refreshing hearing from somebody like Ben in Ben's position, who is the uh, absolute opposite. He's all about inclusiveness. And I've always found that with him, to be honest. From the first time I interviewed him, which was for a, a website a few years ago, a little written piece. And then I bumped into him down in St. Agnes and introduced myself. And he was just super friendly. And it was the same when I went to see him on this occasion to see him and Jason and the rest of the Skin Dog Boys. They were just super welcoming. And this theme is really the standout takeaway from this one. As he says, I don't care what you ride. I want to know what it feels like. And he's he's really interested on ways of getting people to to enjoy their surfing more. His opinions on certain snobbish elements of surfing, particularly the longboard scene, which we get quite into. And, you know, more importantly, he also puts his money where his mouth is, whether it's through his work with skin dog surfboards, the range of, uh, you know, soft tops they're putting out, the, the, the kids boards they're putting out, his work on a grassroots level, helping with local board riders clubs, the general role he has as a fiercely protective guardian of UK surf culture, something you're going to hear in his really entertaining takedown of well-known Aussie surf journalist and for full disclosure, actually really good mate of mine, uh, Ben Mundy, who wrote a piece in Surf Europe a couple of years ago that really pissed off a lot of the UK surf community. And uh, yeah, Ben talks a bit about that, which is uh, which is really interesting. So yeah, ultimately what you're going to hear in this one is that Ben Skinner, he's a straight up lad. There's no artifice, there's no bullshit. He loves surfing, he loves how it makes him feel, he loves what it's given him. And perhaps understandably, he just wants to share and pass on that passion. Whether he's teaching kids, shaping boards, surfing with his family helping people get better, being an ambassador for UK surfing or generally striving for the world title, which has eluded him a few times now. And if you ask me, you can't really ask for much more than that for somebody in Ben's position. So uh, yeah, it's about an hour long this one. Really hope you enjoy it. Uh, so here he is, Ben Skinner on uh, The Feeling of Surfing. Enjoy. Nice one, Ben. Cheers for coming on. Thanks for coming to see me, Matt. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. So uh, we're at your factory, so talk me through it. Well, we've been here for two and a half years now. Yeah. Um, we were pretty lucky. We got into a situation where we just we needed our own factory. You know, we were running out of other people's for, for quite a few years, which was great at the time. And, you know, thanks to them as well for the help that we had. But um, it was time to kind of go on our own two feet. And... Um, we came up here and found the Prowl Park and the landlord's name's Baylor and, and he really helped us out and showed us a load of containers and said, do you think you can turn this into a surfboard factory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so that's exactly what we did. We came up here, drew the doors on and got it all cut out and kind of started piecing together a factory and two and a half years later, we're still here and it's going strong. Yeah, so you just outside Newquay yep. and you run in... So you were explaining earlier, so you've got obviously the custom skin dog and then you're bringing some new stuff out, aren't you? So maybe so yeah. tell me about that. Well, from day one, me and Jason's relationship, Jason Gray is my business partner and he yeah. does all the laminating here at Skin Dog Surfboards. And yeah. he, you know, his talent and, and my passion for surfboards and design is kind of where 
where our business came from. How did you boys meet then? Um, well, he started making my boards. Uh, he was making my boards at, when I, from when I was like 17. Right. Um, he started making all the Stuarts that I was riding and he was the glasser at Seabase at the time and, and that's where I was riding for at the time. So um, we kind of bonded then and, get, get you know, our relationship grew and just as friends more than anything. And um, But we just, we had the same passion and kind of thoughts and we wanted to make the best lightest longboards with the best response so we started doing carbon rails this was nine years ago we were doing carbon rails right. no stringers yeah um we made the first one with a stringer and in the first surf i snapped the stringer because right. the board became parabolic and twisted so the wood had no chance and and that was so then we took the stringer out and started doing carbon rail stringerless longboards which is where skin skin, skin dog surfboards kind of originated yeah um, but that became very difficult with the certain materials we were using. We're not getting the consistency we wanted in foam. And right. It's quite difficult to buy um, extruded polystyrene for surfboards in this country. So um, anyway, hence the Thunderbolt technology. For, for years we've been doing HD vacuum decks. Uh, do you want to shut the door, Charlie? Sorry. It's all right, man. If you close the door, is that right? Yeah, it's going to be pretty loud still, though, isn't it? Uh, it'll be all right. We'll be all right. If you shut the door, it should be fine. Sorry. Let's give it a go. Sander. We'll see how it is. Well, it's, we're, in a, we're in your factory. Yeah, that's it. have a bit of noise, <laughs> work's isn't it? has got to carry on. <laughs> um, I'll be the one crossing in the morning because the work's not done. <laughs> no, not at all. But, um, so, yeah, the Thunderbolt technology really is the newest and best epoxy construction for longboards as far as I can see in the world. And right. that's why we wanted to get involved. We've got two of the most influential people in longboarding already riding them, um, being CJ Nelson, who's pretty much, he's the best logger in the world. Yeah. And uh, um, Harley Ingleby, who is two times world longboard champ and one of my good friends and one of my favorite surfers. And so watching him surf the technology, win a world title on it, froth about it yeah see him on surf trips with him and i just knew i wanted a piece but it took a couple of years to right. to, to make happen because it's a big investment and it's something that doesn't just happen overnight so yeah. um i built my relationship with yusan who's the inventor and the owner and over a couple of years um we kind of start talking and nearly happened and i couldn't quite get the money together to do it and then in china in december Phil Rasman borrowed one of my boards in the World Longboard Titles. Is that at Hainan? At Hainan, yeah. Hainan, how you say yeah, it, yeah. right. And um, he ended up winning the world title on it after beating me in the quarterfinals <laughs> and knocking me out of my own board. Right. He, he won the world title on one of our boards, which was bittersweet for me. I mean, you know, gutted to lose. and yeah. But to watch someone go and win a, win a world title on a board that we made. Yeah, um, And Grazie, Grazie was there with me as well, which was... Yeah which was even more special so nice moment it really was and and like it just made us realize that you know we we are making some of the best boards in the world and, right. and we do want to take it to the world you know yeah um and this was our opportunity to do that um with thunderbolt technologies we're we're pretty much immediately selling to 25 countries around the world that are already selling thunderbolts right um they're already selling cj nelson's harley's um Channel Islands, Paisel, yeah, they're all using this technology now. So um, we're right at the start, which is really good. It's, it's a brand new technology in a way. I mean, it's a couple of years old, but it's had a lot of R&D. Right. Um, and something that 
it's been proven, tested along the way. So I don't carve a box falling over. It's all right. Uh, been, you know, tried and tested along the way. And the general feel is CJ Nelson is saying the boards feel like they're from outer space. Right. You know, and I he's mean, riding. They're, they are light, I've got to say. They That's are light. That's the first and thing you notice. Yeah. It? The weight, the strength. Yeah, the strength and the weight, um, for sure. It's definite. It's, it's you know, you know it's... You know, it's not always about having the lightest board. I do realise, especially over here in the windier conditions, it's not all about having the lightest board possible. And we actually can specifically make these boards to a specific weight. Right. That's what's so amazing about it. So we can speci specifically design the weight of the board, the way the board flexes on the different materials that we use and how we lay them up. Right. So it's... um. It's quite extraordinary, really, and it's only going to keep evolving because Yusan is one of those people who just keeps finding new materials, new ways to create boards, to, to, new ways of boards to flex, yeah. and how to make it happen and be consistent with it. So, carbon T-band stringers is kind of the main, um, the main sort of source of these boards. Yeah. Feeling is like the carbon, the carbon T-band stringers creating torsional flex as well as a standard flex that yeah. you get from a wooden stringer. Um, and the response that it comes back. So when you're surfing, they just feel alive. It's an incredible feeling. So I'm pretty chuffed and we just want people to come and have a go. We've got a range of samples. You can come and come in and ha take them for a spin and see how you feel. And the container arrives in September. So right. pretty exciting times. Nice, man. And you're competing this week, because I should say it's Boardmasters Week yeah. in Newquay. So uh, it's, it's mobbed, isn't it, <laughs> yeah. basically. But you're competing again, yeah? I'm competing again, yeah, <laughs> which I'm really excited about. It's, it's one of the biggest events of the year yeah. for me, being at home and yeah, yeah. obviously being a, a WSL event. Yeah. So really excited. Always got my family and friends cheering along, which is nice. Yeah, it's it a nice, be nice feeling rather yeah. than being away from everybody. So, um, yeah, I'm just excited this, this year. Just to, I haven't been doing as many comps this year because I've been more focused on on trying to get the new technology working yeah um and obviously been busy with a newborn so it's been like well he's he's nearly two now i should say right but he's like um, your fourth yeah right well my third but i have a stepdaughter so that i've brought up since she was six so, okay and she's now 19 nearly 20 so yeah, yeah. pretty full pretty busy spending yeah. a few plates yeah sounds like it well it'd be good to um to go back to the start a little bit if that's all right yeah um, so you're from Jersey, aren't you? Yeah. Right. And and you, is that where you started surfing? It is, yeah. I started surfing probably the age of three or four. And, well, I was in the sea from younger, riding bodyboards just on the inside, just having fun, really, like any kid does. And then I just started standing up on my bodyboard at three, three years old, and Dad was like, I was obviously copying him. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, he put me on his old board and I just, I, I've always done it and never really, don't really remember learning either. It's right. always kind of been there for me, you know. It's just always um, something that you've done that you remember. It's always something I've done. I've done it with my dad and with my family, with my sisters and right. and now with my, my partner and our kids. So yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah. And when did you move over to Cornwall then? We moved to Cornwall when I was 10 years old. Okay. Just, just turning 11. Um, so just coming out of primary school into secondary school, which was right. quite a big shock. So why, um, why did you move over? Why did the family move over? Well, um, mainly because of business opportunity, really. Dad, dad, mum and dad uh, built two brew pubs in Jersey in the island. Oh, is that so, where that started? Then? Yeah, they actually had pubs with breweries on the side. Right. And the first one he did was was in Jersey, and the, and the first beer was Jimmy's Bitter, which he which was my granddad, and that's still being made in the pub now. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
he basically dad had an opportunity he saw an opportunity in Cornwall really to start a brewery um it hadn't really been done right um he wanted just a, you know a new a new start as well they wanted a fresh start they wanted to move away i think they saw a lot more opportunity for the children for us yeah um being in Cornwall obviously jersey's quite it's a beautiful place and love, full of lovely people but but the um the opportunities aren't it's easy to come by yeah. for a lot of things. Emma was modelling at the time. Right, um, that's your sister, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was surfing a lot. My other sisters were just, you know, surfing too. But um, it was just a, a move that they decided to make. And as a kid, you just go with your parents. So, yeah, right. Um, we made the move and it was, it was amazing. And I still surf for Jersey to this day. Yeah, um, you do, don't you? You yeah. compete for Jersey, don't yeah, you? Yeah, so, so I've just been selected for the team again. In Island Norway. pride. Absolutely, yeah. My fa- I've still got good family there. And, yeah. You know, um, unfortunately my granddad's dead now, but he was there for a long time. And right. after we left and I always went back, got a lot of good friends. And right. and it's a, it's a beautiful place. So I feel like I'm lucky in a way because I've got the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Cornwall's just exceptional as well, you know. Yeah. So the brewery, I mean, it's a great story, isn't it? So mm. like... Are you involved in that as well? Well, not as such, but um, the brewery have always supported me in what I do, obviously, yeah. being my parents. And even through to now, Dad's has investors and they still want to support me and, and help me do, you know, achieve what I want to achieve. So Skinner's Brewery is, is a sponsor to me and, and helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, so I'm involved in that sense and I obviously help to market it and um, promote beers and, and just generally be... Um, a Skinner's ambassador, which yeah. is hard not to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Embodiment of the brand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and obviously, Dad. When I left school, Dad would love to have me to have gone into the brewery with him. I'm sure, but you know, I just had things that I wanted to do myself, and I think you know he respected that as well. Yeah. Um, and my sisters st- worked for him, um, and I have worked for him. I did a lot of delivering when I left school. I, I started. I was a drayman, which was <laughs> epic. I loved that. What's the Draymond? Um, just delivering beer. Someone who delivers beer. Right. Basically, he drives beer around the country. So. Right, right. Um, but it was great because we got to meet all the landlords and all different pubs. And you wouldn't believe some of the places that there are actual pubs in Cornwall. You right. wouldn't even think they exist. Yeah. Um, but I got to see it all. And yeah, it's exciting at the time. Enjoyed it. And and um, good bit of fitness as well. Lifting barrels all day. Yeah, no doubt. So, um, you know, do you, ever, do you ever sneak in there with your mates when you're yeah. a kid? Get pissed. Yeah, dad, dad. Yeah, <laughs> we've had a few moments, but um, you know, dad, dad's always been very generous and with us as well and our friends. And if we've had a lot of parties down at the brewery and stuff yeah. like that, where they do anyway, they do brewery tours there, so you can go down, have a pasty, go and check out all the beers made, and then taste all of them in the bar afterwards. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going, it looks like it's going really well. It's I mean, brilliant. You, see, you see it like. In my local, they, they do it now in Brighton, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you, yeah. See, you see it all over Which now. is mad, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the little brewery from Cornwall. But, yeah, yeah you know, Dad's, Dad's done amazingly well. Mum and Dad, you know, the, the efforts they put in back in the day and, and um, to to sort of where it is now is yeah. quite amazing. Dad's also making cider. He's got Cornwall Cider Company as well. Right. Is that a new thing? Um, it's a couple of years old now, but he right. does like uh, mango, lime and ginger cider and right, rhubarb right. and custard and, yeah. and uh, another one called Lioness and Apple Slayer is the strong one. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, and that's been fun. Dad's always involved us with 
the sort of development of the products and and like and obviously <laughs> the tasting yeah but also the names and the characters that are used to sell the beers and yeah um because he's been very clever and used cornwall as, as his base for that yeah and it's Paul Flevin in there yeah Paul Flevin Lushington Lushington yeah. that's very much that's a new kind of pale ale sort of um more summery kind of beers that you wanted to to keep traditional to Cornwall beaches and, and yeah. surfing. And then he's got obviously the Cornish Knocker, um, Betty Stogg. So they're all Cornish folk characters, folk, uh, Cornish folk story characters, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they sort of, yeah, there's a lot of heritage in what he's done in Cornwall and he's always tried to promote Cornwall. Yeah, it, it sounds like he was a, obviously, I mean, probably a bit of a silly question, but big big role model then for you oh, as yeah. you were growing Huge. up. Huge, still yeah. is. You know, I still look up to him every day, really. Yeah, he still yeah. works harder than most people I know. Right. <laughs> and he's, um, you know, in his 60s. So, but he doesn't stop. You and know? does he give you advice with what you're doing? Cause obviously, yeah, all the time. Because yeah. obviously, like you said, you spin up a lot of plates. You got, yeah. you know, you got a few different careers, really. Yeah, going yeah. On at the same time. Yeah. Does, is he helped with that? Yeah, massively. Yeah, and my mum too. I mean, my mum's an inspiration on her own, and you know, they, they, they. Unfortunately, they're not together anymore, but. Um, they're both remarried and happy and mum sailed across the Atlantic um, in the winter really and, or last when she goes September October yeah and they had wow. quite a bit of damage on the way and two days in snapped the boom and Jesus did the whole crossing with with no boom and punchy yeah pretty pretty hectic <laughs> but they set up their own um, care home business as well looking after the elderly right um, and you know they started that all from 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 nothing her and her husband so yeah, I'm quite lucky in a way. I've got quite driven people around me. My parents have definitely driven and, and you know, want to be not necessarily successful, but just happy and able to live the life they want to live, you know. Yeah, yeah, which is like, yeah, all the role modelling you need, really. Yeah. So when you were a kid, did you start competing quite early when you when you came over here? Because you, you were shortboarding. Yeah, I was already competing. I mean, I started competing at eight years old in Jersey. You did, you know? right? Yeah, and Dad was president of the surfboard club, and we had a massive involvement in surfing there, Dad especially. Um, and he surfed for Jersey as well. Did he? Um, yeah, right. finished like fourth in the Masters in 93 in Scotland and like Legend. things like that. So. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, yeah, we've had, as a family, we had a huge involvement in Jersey in the surfing club and and um, moving over here was, was like the next step for me. And right. and I was able to suddenly enter the British Nationals that and, and the events that were appearing all the time, which we weren't getting in Jersey. So right. to come and compete in them is a lot of money to do all the time. So it's, it is difficult for the people from Jersey to kind of make that next step yeah. in surfing, especially. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in that respect, Cornwall gave me a huge platform to kind of leap off from, you know, if you like. And if, you know, it could have gone either way. Um, might not have ended up doing that, but yeah. you know, luckily, I, yeah, it's all worked out. And um, what, do you, what do you remember about them days then? Like, when you think back, competing? Uh, competing, yeah, it, I just used to love it. I still do. I get, I get excited about competing. A yeah. lot of people like, you know, yes, I'm, I am competitive, but I really enjoy like performing in the contest and as long as I'm surfing well yeah um that's where I get a buzz from and so you don't and, feel any pressure um no I, I have had and and there's certain when I get into those world events I sort of there's always a barrier came up um for me anyway right and kind of felt like um I had to perform differently or better or you know I don't know some sort of added pressure of surfing with your idols I suppose okay and so to the first sort of five six years on the world events was 
I never felt like I could perform like I know I can. And really? I just like, yeah, I don't know why it just was like a barrier. Right. And I just feel like I couldn't surf all of a sudden. Right. And I think to me, it was, I just kept trying too hard and, and I was trying to impress too hard and wanted to be surfing, you know, I don't know what it was, but there was a barrier. And, and eventually I got through that sort of, you know, I had a fifth in the Maldives and I, and I just started to feel like my own person and my own surfer and I had a place on the tour. You know, I wasn't just kind of following all my heroes. Right, you did like. you feel almost like you didn't deserve to be there in a way or yeah, something? Yeah, for sure. And I had to prove myself, which right. actually I didn't. I'd already proven myself by being there. Right. It's just something that, I don't know, I, I, at the time I couldn't, I couldn't work it out. Now looking back, I would you say... think that's what it was? I would say it's just, you know, I just felt like I had to prove myself to, to them that I was worth being there. Yeah, um, and that result helped and you And that result that. put me in pressure, put pressure on myself and made me surf differently. Right. You know? <laughs> where, where do you stand on the judging debate on it all? Because there's a bit of a there's a bit of chat about that yeah, that goes on a lot. It's isn't there? pretty tough to be honest. Longboarding yeah. especially when they're trying to change criteria back to being in the you know you know for example it's what they're doing to longboarding is like saying to the CT you know at pipe you can only use a single fin that Jerry Lopez used because that's what surfing was yeah you know and that's what they're trying to do to longboarding and yeah we, we we've it's been it's evolved it's massively quite, it's, quite, it's, it's quite an ethical debate these days isn't it you know like progressive longboarding or like single fin longboarding it is, you've got it like is. the duct tape sort of side haven't you and the George yeah. Tudor vibe so and then you've got like the kind of progressive school like where and, and you you know you can Kind of, you know, you straddle a bit of both, really. Hundred percent, because I'm a surfer. So what? So when and I try and this is what frustrates me like, right. about the whole scene is like yeah. we're all surfers. Do like, you find that? A, do you find it a bit snobby? Like, yeah, I do. It annoys me to be honest, right. because um, why should anyone have a problem with what you're riding? Yeah, like if I want to ride, uh, you know, a four fin longboard, I'll ride one. Yeah. And if I want to ride a twin fin, I'll ride one. If I if, if I wanted to ride a bodyboard, I'd, if it's what I'm enjoying and having fun doing, yeah. you know, no one should be able to say that's wrong or right, in my opinion. So that whole, like, you, if you're a longboarder, you can only ride one fin is just a load of rubbish. Well, they, I mean, the duct tape's got, like, weight rules on it and, like, size okay. rules and all that on it, you know. So this is quite exciting, Matt. We've just been, I've just been invited to a brand new longboard tour that's been set up uh, by... CJ Nelson and really? Taylor Jensen. Wow. Called Surf Relic. So we have the two biggest influencers in both of those divisions. Okay. And they've selected invitational of 16 people for each division. CJ Nelson picked his loggers. Taylor picked his performance longboarders. Right. And it's a qualifier for a three event tour next year. And the event's at Malibu in September. Sick. So I'm really excited. I bet you um, are, mate. And it is, it's the step in the right direction. And what these boys are trying to do is come together and make it a, a united platform that's sustainable for longboarding. Yeah. And, and that's what this is about. And, you know, it comes back to me coming to Cornwall and having the platform then of the BLU, for example, which yeah, was just yeah. a British longboard union, but it was a structure that was a platform to go to the next next step and yeah, was sustainable. Path, path that you could follow, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Basically. And, and that's not, it wasn't ever pretentious and no one ever really cared what you rode and... It was really nice, and, and, and longboarding was like that, and that's what people loved and fell in love with, especially me. Yeah. At the time when I decided to turn to a longboard, I, was, I, I mean, loved I was, the events. I was going to ask you that. So what, what was it? It was, the, it was just the feelings that I got when, when I was competing in events. I mean, not just that. Wave conditions were, were obviously a big thing for me. I think at like 15 years old, when I started getting bigger and I started growing quite quickly, and you're in an under 16 category against 13, 14 year olds still. Yeah. 
um, when it's really small, you struggle, you know. And and I started to like have a few bad events, and I did the longboard alongside it because I got knocked out early, and I thought oh, I'll have a go at longboard, and end up winning the juniors, and then I won the open, and things just I really enjoyed it, and it all yeah. fell into place. And I still love shortboarding, but when the waves are good, yeah. So <laughs> why would I put myself through being unhappy? For when I, I just didn't enjoy it to be honest, right? Anymore, unless the waves were good, so yeah. Whereas on a longboard, I have fun whatever I'm doing, yeah. You know, I pretty much I've got a board for every day, and yeah. I'm happy, <laughs> yeah. And that's what's important, if you know what I mean. So, and yeah, at the moment, I'm riding a single fin because it's a performance single fin, and right now, it's what I'm enjoying the most. But it's a performance single fin, and will probably be written off by every logger in the world, but right. But it's because it's got a hard edge through the tail and yeah, it's not yeah. heavy. But it's it. I love how it feels. It feels amazing, and um, to me, that's what it's about. So, this idea of Surf Relic Toys is just a, a united platform for longboarding that is sustainable and 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 will and will last. So yeah, try to bridge it. Bring us all together yeah. again, and and you know respect each other for what we are instead yeah. of like what we ride. Why, why do you think? What do you think is behind that kind of snobby thing? Um, it's all really come from Joel Tudor, really, just trying to enforce the fact that longboarding is single fin, and and in America is where the image kind of lead, the trends are led from, if you like. Right. And that's where the WSL are based, where Joel's based, where longboarding smacker is kind of is. So everyone's following them, you know, in a way, and 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 um, he's a powerful person. He's he's you know he's an influential person, Joel. You know, and he's been a an idol to me and, and, and a friend too, you know, and, and so I do, I do understand, you know, what he's trying to say, but I don't think it's right that he's sort of sectioning people and putting them into, you know, stereotyping them, if you like, yeah. and sort of, you know, disregarding them because of what they surf. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't like that. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, surfing these days, there is a, I mean, there, there has always been a ride anything kind of ethos behind it, but it's definitely happening more, isn't it? You know, it's definitely more. Yeah, it, it is, and and it, it is happening more. People, you know, people's minds just need to be open more. I think, and like, you know, I try and tell it to people who come here and buy boards, and and you know, they expect me to think a certain thing right. of them because of what they're surfing, and it's like, no, well, you know, I just want to know how it feels. Yeah, tell me how it feels. Yeah, I don't care what it looks like. How are you feeling on it? And, and what do you want to feel from your surfboard and how do you want to surf and that's the way to kind of go about getting your surfboard not how you want it to look is this how you got into shaping then I'm guessing um, shaping is is just been I mean obviously riding surfboards I'm sure you, you know I know you're a keen snowboarder Matt and you know you obviously start to get techie on your on what you yeah. ride and no doubt about that and, yeah and you and so everything you know it's exciting for you and and I had the opportunity to be doing that but actually myself and and also pushing some boundaries on on things that people wouldn't make me and right. you can't ride that you can't you can't do that it's not you know and things like that which was always happening with when you're trying to get something from somebody yeah um they'll always do it just their way a little bit if it's you know and yeah. so I just felt like it was time to have a go and I was lucky enough to have so much help and um, support from a lot of shapers when I was young and, and had great relationships with them and you know Chops the Sales being one of the main I was going to say so was Chops was Chops one of the influences yeah hugely yeah. yeah I mean you know he's the kid when I walked into the village at 10 you know within a few days I was best mates with his son and Chops was making me a new board and right. they just took me under their wing and looked after me so 
Do you yeah. do you have like a could you call it a philosophy of shape, when you're shaping or is that overstating it? Uh, I think to be honest, shaping you know shaping's there's a lot of you know people make out you know that there's all the the mimics of the the imitations of like you know shapers being soulful and you know it's all about what it feels man and all yeah. this sort of thing but really it is you know for me it was about giving myself the best opportunity to be the best i am in a way and that's okay. what my drive came from initially yeah was like wanting to make the best thing that i could to be the best I can, yeah. And that's and that in, in turn has rolled out into all these models that we've created along the way to fit certain wave conditions and people and styles of surfing and and that's what I find interesting is kind of you know picking the right board for the right person and giving them the right volume. That's to me is like what it's about. Yeah. Okay. So and what I right. find interesting and it started with myself. Yeah. You know, wanting to get the best thing for me. Yeah. So, and it's just rolled out. Yeah, and now I enjoy the fact people come in. Some people want me to copy a board they've had since they were ten, you know, and and that's a challenge for me too. I'm brilliant. I'd love to have a go at that. It's, right. It's not like something I'm like, no, I'm not making that. I didn't design it. I, I don't. I don't personally don't don't really have those kind of feelings. So I, I'm I'm just happy to have a go and shape surfboards. If people want something, I'll make it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, who else do you think is making good boards at the minute? Um, there's quite a few people around making good boards. I mean. Um, I I really like worldwide. I mean, I love what CJ Nelson's doing, and obviously what he's doing with the Thunderbolt, which is one of the reasons that we've got involved, um, is from our own passion for what we're seeing um, and hearing. And obviously Harley's boards, and um, you know, obviously I've always looked up to those boys being the top of their game. So, um, and UK UK wise, you know, there's 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 a handful of great shapers here, you know, Adrian Phillips, there's Jules from Gulfstream. I know he's always doing great stuff. You only ever hear good things from people like that. Um, Luke Hart is obviously one you can't really ignore. Uh, Marky Lascelles down at Beach Beat, you know, there's, and and I I quite like the fact that there's there's kind of a younger generation coming through and we seem to be all quite friendly and get on and look after each other and kind of yeah good camaraderie you know, yeah and I, and I like to think that we're kind of all doing sort of separate things too you know my factory is quite different to to any of the other factories in the country as far as what you know what we're trying to achieve here um you know we'll put people coming direct and getting the service directly from us um, rather than mass producing to shops for them people to buy the boards so um, but at the same time, you know, there's um, Luke's been doing great things. You know, Marky's always doing nice boards, and together we're all kind of friends and help each other, and it's it's good. Well, and, yeah, and you I'd like it to be like that. Yeah, and you, I mean, you know, you, you you all surf together, don't you? Yeah, you know, you're always course. doing trips together. Yeah, like, exactly. Know. I mean, Luke rang me today and said, "Oh, we're having some beers at the factory later on, and we've got yeah. you know a demo going on. Come over, bring the boys." I mean, I can't make it, but the fact is, he's rang me to ask. And yeah. It's just that's what it's about. We don't, you know, I don't think we're really competing against each other. Um, if anything, we can kind of help each other be better by just sort of, you know, working together. If you yeah, know what I mean. yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, we've been talking about like your surfing, your business. You got your, you got your family. You got a lot going on. Mm. How, how do you balance it all? That's a good question. Yeah, because uh, I mean, that is a busy slate, that isn't it. Yeah, right now it, it is really hard and. Um, but but I, I, I don't really see 
It doesn't really worry me or bother me. It's just like, you just got to get on with it. Have you always been the type of person who's just got a shitload of energy and he's like always got a lot of projects on the go? Pretty much. Always got something on different fronts, you know? Yeah. In my in the past, I've tried to do too much, I think, sometimes and not always completed things properly. And right. that's what I'm cautious of at the moment. And just I want to, you know, the projects that I'm doing now, I'm just putting as much as I can into that. Right. Although we're already still doing a lot. It's all aimed at one thing, really. So yeah. it's all coming from the surfboards. And, you know, obviously, you know, my passion for like making boards for my son and, and for the kids and the structure we're trying to build, all that's a natural progression that kind of happens in the business anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there's other things like Thunderbolts that take a lot more planning and a lot more, a lot more thought. So it's really just, I guess it is spinning a lot of plates and sometimes it does get hard and yeah. obviously, you know, I end up someone you know normally get in trouble with the missus because i haven't seen her enough and but she's great and really you know i couldn't do it without her either you know without her support and i think you know she believes in us at the end of the day that eventually it will you know it'll all be worthwhile yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is long days and long nights sometimes and at the yeah. end of the day me and Gracie realize that if we don't do it no one's gonna do it yeah so you know to be honest there ain't really a choice when there's something to be done we just gotta get on with it well, it sounds like family's really important to you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah that's what we're here for. Yeah. And, um, for, you know, personally, me and Jace, when we found out, I was scared to tell him I was going to be a dad, you know. Really? Because I thought he might be like, what are you doing? You've got to concentrate on your surfing. And I was I was only young. I was 21. So I was, I was scared of what my friends and family might think. Right. Um, and he was one of the first people I told. And he turned around and went, shut up. So am I. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Classic. And so we kind of was like, no way, we're both going to be dads. And they ended up being nine days apart, the boys. Right, well, there you go. Um, and, and so from that day on, we were like, look, mate, let's do this for and leave it for them instead yeah. of us doing all this for other people. Like we, We're doing the same as same work as what we've been doing before, but we're now doing it for ourselves. And, and all your lot surf, obviously. I mean, I'm sure, yeah, we'll, I'm sure yeah. we'll talk about Lucas because yeah. he's getting a lot of attention to me at the minute. Yeah, he's, um, yeah, it, it, and again, you know, they're, they're all, Lila loves, she's, she's got, she loves surfing. She's, she's seven, but she's just a little bit, she's, you know, she's just a little bit more cautious. So she's not surfing as much, but which is good because I can put a little bit more time into Lucas surfing at the minute. And I'm sure in a couple of years time, it will be the opposite. And Lucas is out there doing his own thing. I'm not going to have to be so attentive to him. So, yeah. Um, and then Levin is like two and he's just a bit of a lunatic. Is I he, think he's going to he, be me mentalist out of the lot. Really? Have you had him yeah. out? Yeah, he's been on the, in the water, not actually out <laughs> surfing yet. I mean, he's not even two yet, but he 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 knows what a surfboard is. Right. It's one of the first things he said. You know, <laughs> he picks up the skateboards in the house, just walks around going, board, board, daddy, board. And right. he's standing on a skateboard and... You can see that he just wants to do what his brother's doing. Yeah, so yeah. again, it's probably a natural progression for him. Yeah, but whatever they want to do, you know, I know I, I really, I've never pushed Lucas at all. You know, like he pushes me now. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. like he's ringing he's me ripping. up at, at half three, <laughs> going, "Dad, I want to go surfing. It's pumping. Where are you?" Right. And and that's great. And oh, that's amazing. Though, it really it? is amazing. Yeah. And if it's not that, he wants to go skating or he wants to do something else. Yeah, because he's a good skateboarder, isn't he? Yeah, and Lila loves skating. She's really talented on the. You know, she's right. seven and she's dropping in on a big bowl at Mount Hawk. And awesome. She, you know, so it's fun. We. The point is, I think, 
the lifestyle that kind of I'm living is 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 it's not a bad one. It's not financially rewarding right now, and and surfing is kind of one of those sports that is you know notoriously sort of hard to make a career out of, especially here. Yeah. Um, so, but I've got a great life. You know, it allows us to surf a lot, travel a lot, and and um, you know, I'm doing what I love doing. So, although it's hard and tricky at times, I think. Yeah. It's all about the good times. When you're in the water and surfing with your kids, it, you know, all the, everything else goes away. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what's important. There's that that's not forgotten. You did, know what I mean? did you pick up a lot from your old man and your mum when you were in your approach to the way you're bringing up yours? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to me, it's all it's all just about you know, you get what you put in if you like. And and dad's always said, you know, you treat people how you want to be treated, and yeah, and that's how you should live your life, kind of thing. So. As long as my kids are polite and nice and, and not little sh- shits, can I say that? You can say that, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, as long as they're not little shits, then then I'm happy, you know. And, yeah. And, and I'm, as long as they're healthy and everything, but they are. We're really lucky. We got three healthy kids, four healthy kids. None of them are really like Dennis the Menace, but um, you know, kids can always be hard and tricky at times. Yeah, so I think yeah. it's just how you deal with it. But I've, I, yeah, I had a really great childhood, and I can't, you know, I can't really. Um, there's nothing comp- to complain about for me, so I just like to give them the same sort of solid kind of family upbringing that they deserve. Yeah. So with your actual sort of surfing career, you've all, you know you've always had a lot of attention, really, like media attention and that, haven't you? You know, you've you've, you've ended up doing a lot of a lot of stuff, really. Yeah. Over the years. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've you know you're in that Jägermeister thing, weren't you? You know, yeah. you're like Sunday brunch the other day, weren't you? Sunday brunch, yeah. How was that? <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Right, yeah, it was how'd that come about? So scary, but uh, live TV, right? Live TV, yeah, and just like with with stars, you know, that do it every day. Yeah, it's just like I felt myself like laughing when I shouldn't and stuff. Right, <laughs> right. But you know, it was brilliant. It, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and um, I think it went well. And Tim's really nice. Tim Lovejoy. He's, I met. I did um, BT Sports as well for okay. an hour live with. Um, Jess Varnish and um, Matt Dawson and right. uh, someone else I can't remember now and um, that was great experience too so that was my first kind of live but it was with Tim Lovejoy as well yeah have Tim. you got an agent then? no no so how's this stuff come I do about? It, I do it all myself you really. do all that as well? yeah <laughs> right and when Pretty did that much. start happening? So obviously certain things, obviously like Sunday brunch and things like that came through that was actually through Boardmasters kind of um Boardmasters trying to get stuff on Sunday brunch yeah. and when they when Tim saw it and saw it was me involved he said oh, I know Ben we did the BT Sports I want him on the show right. so because I'd been on the show with him before and I obviously handled it he thought let's get him on it'd be brilliant right. so and he he actually requested that I was on the show with him instead of just as a feature which was amazing and and you know i think he you know he enjoyed taking the mickey out of me for not really working not having right. a job and yeah yeah you know yeah, but I, I also they they really respect what i do as well and gave me an opportunity to kind of right pr- showcase surfing and and stuff like that which is which is you know yeah kind of i'm thankful for him for that do it's you enjoy cool. it do you enjoy that stuff yeah i do yeah it's daunting and scary but it's, it's part of it so yeah um you know once once you're doing it it's all right and um, it's just before when you're worrying about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But once you get involved, it's not too bad. What's the weirdest one of them that you've done? The weirdest one? Um, <laughs> I've done quite a few. The weirdest one I did was um, Paul O'Grady show. Right. 
and um, it was the five o'clock show. Yeah, yeah. And they wanted me to go on. I got there, didn't really know what's entailed, and they wanted me to go on in a pair of shorts, you know, like with no basically no clothes on, um, <laughs> and stand on a surf a surf imitating machine on an indo board while someone splashes water <laughs> over that kind of thing. And it was like, no, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And they were like. We'll give you 50 quid. It's like, no, I'm not 50 doing that. 50 quid. It's like, oh, I'll give you 100 quid, you know, and I'm getting <laughs> up to like enough money to say, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Right. And um, But that was pretty weird. Right. For me, anyway. Yeah. It's like, it just, it felt weird. But I I did it and it was it was good fun. It was, it's all fun, really. You can't take it too seriously. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. You just can't take yourself too seriously. Otherwise, you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Roger from Carve said that you'd been approached by some us agency to do some modeling or something yeah did that did that happen <laughs> yeah well i i ended up on the front cover of the, of, a, of a new fashion mag in in new york did you called um at large recently uh yeah it's the first one they did so right. i think they've been going for two years i think it's two years ago now okay and so uh it was kind of random right well how'd that go about there's a, a guy called ben uh and 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 he He's a classic dude, and he's a photographer, and he does all sorts of fashion fashion stuff. Yeah. And he um, he rang me and said, oh, I want to do this shoot. Would you mind doing some photos with us? And I just thought it was like this, you know, photo at the factory. And then as he got closer to the date, he was like, so I'm going to need you Thursday and Friday from 8 till 5. And I was like, uh, okay. And then when I turned up, you know, it was like there was a clothes lorry right. with makeup. Yeah. You know, fashion designer that's like, um, you know, wanting to dress me. And I was like, oh my God, what right, is this? Right, proper stylist vibes. Um, yeah, it was. And it was like, I was wearing Burberry and, you know, I had a, like a tank top on that was worth $800 and just stupid things like that. <laughs> and and it was just so out of my world. It was, and, and but it, it was funny. And and the, the lady, Julie Ragolia, she's like one of the main uh, producers at, at large. And she's been like, um, des she's designed like been what do you call it like a yeah, makeup artist designer for like yeah, Brad yeah. Pitt and right um you know loads of famous people that she sort of designs for yeah you know makes them look how they want to look and so yeah it was quite an amazing experience um but I ended up having some pretty embarrassing photos <laughs> you know um but it was good and off the back of that Ford model Ford model agency contacted me and wanted to basically put me on their books you can do it yeah but then they wanted a six pack and they wanted like you know they they wanted me to basically like, turn into a model to be diet. and i was kind of like really sorry but i'm, I'm a surfer you yeah know? like this is it this is what i look like yeah if, if it ain't good enough then sorry know, it's kind yeah. of it and i, I just you know and, and so there was a couple of jobs came up and problem is with that side of things you know they're really good money if you get the jobs sure like, yeah um but there might be sort of three people in line for the job and you don't get it the day before and it's just the way it is so yeah, and that yeah. happened to me quite a lot um and you know i kind of and that was it really nothing really happened and right. kind of faded away a bit yeah. which is people are thinking you're mad what you're doing you probably you know get one job and probably could have bought a house but it really doesn't interest me nah. and not something no, i want to chase, chase it like that yeah i was just like no I, you know so yeah it was a weird one put it that way yeah 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 but i enjoyed it i enjoyed it and and you know the guy is really nice so su there's such nice people 
and and you know i would do it again and if i got a job i'd do it yeah why not yeah yeah but i'm definitely not going to chase it no no so you're obviously kind of at the forefront of the uk surf scene if you like industry all that um where do you think uk surfing is right now think it's in a good spot yeah well yes i would say so for the first time in a long time you could kind of say things are looking up really yeah. um the fact that it's become an olympic sport is is huge you know like yeah um see that's a good thing yes because what that does is allows the sports councils and any fund in sport england that's available was not available to a, a non-olympic sport they're not it's not recognized as a sport and it hasn't been so we've not been allowed access. As a kid, for me, I never had anything like that. And there's yeah. no money ever coming out of sport in England. Yeah. Um, whereas in Wales, the, the sports councils were paying the athletes, um, you know, helping them, because they were being actually sort of uh, looked at as an athlete. Right. So <clears throat> it's a big change. And obviously, it's going to become televised. Um, it changes the sport. It did to cycling. It did to snowboarding. Yeah, it, it has did. done to a lot of the other sports that you look at. Yeah. So um, obviously Surfing England's just been formed. Um, it's strong. The ISA seem to be strong off the back of, get you know, the International Surfing Association are the ones who've basically driven the Olympic um, side of the sport and their whole mission was for it to become an Olympic sport. Yeah. And they've, they've done that. So off the back of that, their events are going to become bigger and stronger as well. Yeah. And more, um, what's the word, more, more meaning more meaningful because they are kind of qualifications up to Olympic um, events. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and and I think for me and for Lucas, I'm pretty excited for him. And I think, you know, I'd love him to have the opportunity in, in the years to come to be in the Olympics. And, yeah. And I think it's only going to give him more opportunity to live his dream. And that's what it's about. And do you think, like, UK surfing's still... How do you think it's perceived, like globally? Do you, do you think it's? In, do you think people are starting to give it a bit more respect? Yeah, I mean, it's always you know we've always been the weaker country uh, or the weaker nation, should I say? Um, but it's something that always drove, drove me really to kind of do better because you know I remember being at events and kind of hearing people say when we're looking at heat draws, "Oh, you've got the English guy, right?" You, you know, like you've got the easy heat, you know. Yeah, and that, that was kind of what people thought and, really and yeah so is sure. that kind of inbuilt but to me that kind of that revved me up to be yeah. honest and and it just made me want to beat them even more right made make just make them realize that you know all right i'm from england but we can still surf yeah and um so i think that has changed a lot obviously there's quite a lot of people you can name that have helped that happen you know like russell winter obviously being the main one yeah um you know reuben ash uh obviously cotty um Tom Lowe right now, what he's just yeah, achieved I mean, is just Jesus. mental. Yeah. And and so yeah, um, myself, Adam Griffiths, obviously, you know, there's a handful of people that that have kind of put surfing in the UK on the map worldwide. Yeah. And, and I think and, and the, by the deeds as well, isn't it? You know, by actually being legit and like in what they're doing. Yeah. But you still doing it. You know, yeah. Exactly. Actually doing it. Yeah. You still occasionally see the odd sort of piece, don't you? That's a bit snidey, but it sort of takes the piss out of like UK surfing or yeah, whatever. I've, I've, yeah. There was one in particular. I don't know if you remember it, but I think it was written by um, um, another guy called Ben. You know, Aussie guy. Ben Mundy. Yeah. Ben Mundy. Yeah. And 
I, what I was it about I had that? to email him afterwards, put it that way. Did you? What yeah. was it about that then? It made me that cross. Um, it was just the fact that, I mean, he was saying, oh, it's just banter and it's just this and that, but right. he completely wrote off British surfing and everyone to do with it and right. the surf here and, you know, that we're basically a joke. Right. Um, so for me, that was like pretty much a slap in the face, you yeah. know, whether it was banter or not. Um, and and so yeah i mean yeah he apologized and everything but right it's people like that that you just think what why you yeah. know i don't I, I don't i don't see an english guy ever writing an article about the aussies saying stuff like that i mean it's to me it was just a little bit so it's a bit of an easy target thing easy target laugh, over the top yeah and like you know not very tasteful yeah in in, in way he did it right have you seen um, him since no right how would that go <laughs> Probably all right. Yeah. He he apologised and I was like, you know, in the end I was like, fair enough, but you need to think about what you're saying before you write articles like that. Yeah. And it wasn't just me upset, you know. Yeah. It was like the whole, and at one point we were down on the beach and everyone was talking about it. Yeah. And that's when I emailed him because I was like, it's not just me that thinks this. Yeah, it's, like, it's actually got a pretty <laughs> so, negative thing. You know, I, I mean, surfing, surfing, you're always going to get, you know, you're always going to get the odd snidey, snidey comments here and there. But yeah. to be honest, on the whole, it's what it's not. It's not. It's not about that. It's you know, I don't see any point for any of it. Yeah, so I just thought it was a bit stupid and yeah. not very fair. Well, when, it sounds when like there are people like Tom Lowe. Yeah, who who really do put in the work, and and you know, even myself, I've worked so hard to even be at a world event. And, yeah, and to just kind of be written off is like nah. Bit not, not gonna have that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. I mean, it sounds like for you though, surfing is about being inclusive. You know what I mean? About trying to let people enjoy it in the best way that they can. Hundred percent. Sounds like that's what underpins like the philosophy with your company. Yeah. Like the way you know what you were saying earlier about about that longboard sort of politics we were talking about. 100%. So I guess stuff like that, it just goes against that, doesn't it? Really. It's totally for me. And like, I rarely, you know, that's the first time that anything's been written that I've actually. I thought I need to say something about that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, there is a lot of pride there. Maybe it was banter. Maybe you know, might have took it a bit personally. But it's still hard to read stuff like that. You yeah. Know? And I don't see any point in it. And I think it's just out of order. Yeah. So, you know, in that instance, then yeah, I would, I, I would, you know, I did want to say something. So, but I just, I just think it should just be what it is, fun and just fun and exciting, like not. Not you know nothing else. Well, it's a it's a it's a perennial thing, isn't it? Because like it's obviously so popular now. I mean, and since you, you know you've been down there since you were what ten, you said ten yeah. eleven, and what are you now like thirty three. Yeah. So you know in that twenty years, twenty odd years, you must have seen it down here like absolutely explode. Yeah, right? it's huge. Especially like I mean, you look at this week here. Yeah. Um, it's just nuts. I was in traffic for forty five minutes yesterday. Yeah. Getting from Fistral to like town. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why are we doing that again? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. But um, I mean, how do you feel about that? You think that's uh, a positive thing? Obviously, obviously, you know, like for people who live here, you got the people that are like, oh, it's you know, they don't want people to get into surf and they want to keep it for themselves a little bit. But yeah. You, it's it's uh, listen Cornwall's a huge beautiful place and there's a lot of beaches and and um a lot of places i mean we surf on our own a lot yeah you know we can find places to surf um and we're really lucky and um but this place it just goes nuts surfing is booming you yeah know? and and it's great i'm i mean you know the more people the better um 
I, I, the kids' situation right now in Cornwall is huge. I'm loving what's going on. There's, you know, all these little board riders clubs around, Bude, um, Newquay, St Agnes, uh, Sennon, like those sort of areas, St Ives, um, plus all the way through Devon as well, you know, like Saunton and, and Croydon. Yeah. And they've all got this real solid foundation all of a sudden and, and they're building platforms for these kids to, to, to... And that's what, you know, we're trying to achieve that with the Aggie Board Riders Club. I'm heavily involved with that. Right. With Marcus and Josh Ward. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're trying to, like, just, again, just make... Give them some sort of structure. It's all off our own backs, but they have little events. Yeah. We have, you know, days contest down at St Agnes. We have training days for them every two weeks. And just like there's 70, 70 or kids signed wow. up for just Aggie board riders, amazing. Which is a tiny little village, yeah. And they're all there's like ten of them there that have got potential to sort of compete for the country. So really, and that's just down there. And I, I witness that every day, and it's, so it's it's great. It's it's you know so for me, I, I'm I'm excited about the future. To be honest, for yeah. surfing, especially in England, we've got some real amazing talent coming out. And yeah. you know, who, who Ellie you Turner then? at the moment, yeah. what she's achieving is just phenomenal. She's she's a, she's a demon. She's just like smashing people. Yeah, um, she wins everything, and she's but she's such a nice girl. She's her technique and her style is is perfect, and and um, so you know. I think there's the more that we've achieved as well, you know, it's it's opening and making it more. What's the word? Like um, they can believe they can do it. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's other Great people in it? Yeah, it's like yeah. again, like you say, we've always the English have always been sort of looked at as the weaker country, but yeah. it's it's not like that anymore. Yeah, and I think we're we're definitely becoming more threatening as a as a surfing nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's good. So I got a question for you. Um, so you obviously see a lot of like beginners and intermediates um what advice would you or, or like what's the common things that you think people could sort out in their surfing what's the easiest way for like an intermediate to get better because you must see people do the same mistakes it, yeah. over and over again so surfing is a foundation sport yeah. to me it's like you need a solid foundation and the first foundation is getting to your feet yeah and catching your waves so you know catching your waves and getting to your feet at a, at a probably two of the most important things in surfing yeah a bit like snowboarding if you can't get on a chairlift you know you're pretty screwed aren't you yeah so in that sense you need to be able to catch your wave so the right board if you're not on the right board surfing is going to feel like the worst sport in the world because you can't catch anything and if it's not stable enough you won't get up and you won't enjoy it so my point is to get on that right board that's going to give you the right amount of flotation and and catch the waves stand up on the waves and then it's technique of just jumping to your feet. And yeah. and, and the other day I, I taught a young kid um, a way to get to his feet. He was really struggling to get to his feet. So I decided to try doing it with him the other way around and I reversed it for him. So I made him stand on his board in the position that he wanted to be stood in. And then I made him get down to his belly and then made him jump back up again. Right. So that he'd done it backwards first, which is the easy way to do it. From standing up to go to your belly, anyone can do that. Yeah. It's jumping back up. So it was trying to create like a memory, uh, like a muscle memory kind of thing for him. But it okay. worked because he jumped straight to his belly and did it easily and jumped back up the same way. Right. Whereas before that, he couldn't work out how to jump up. So little things like that, just try that. Try starting on your feet, yeah. getting down to your belly and then jumping back up and finding the best way to get back to your feet. Yeah. Um, 
And that's kind of the biggest key to surfing is getting to your feet. I mean, that's it. And the more waves. More, more waves, waves more waves, yeah. More yeah. waves. Make sure on the boards you can catch waves on so you can catch loads. It's and a bit of an epidemic that and you, you see, don't you, people on boards that are too small for them? Yeah, oh, yeah. Do you think course. that's just because they don't really know any better? I think there's a yes. And also, you know, sometimes, you know, certain places might say things that you shouldn't really be riding, but yeah. they don't know how you surf or they haven't really asked or, you know things like that so it is important on, on you know what you're advised on initially obviously that's going to be a big deal yeah um but also the image that is put out there you know it's like of what surfing is and it's kind of that shortboard is kind of what everybody first goes to but you know either you can do it or 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 you hate surfing or you realize and ride something you you can ride and love it yeah you know so yeah and, and like we were saying earlier it's that's getting a bit more that that mindset's getting more wide, like wider, isn't it? Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you can still have short boards, but just have them enough width and the right thickness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's plenty of plenty of um, options on on what to ride. Yeah. But it's just make sure you're on the right one. Yeah. All right. Well, we're getting we're getting pretty close. I reckon a couple more. Um, so what what ambitions you got left in surfing? I, I just want to win a world title. Just, just that, eh? <laughs> I, I've, it's something that, you know, has kind of evaded me a few times now. What, what do you get third, was it, one year? I've been second twice. Second twice. Been right? third twice. Yeah. Oh, I've mate. fifth, I, can, I don't okay. know how many times. That's, that's eating you um, up then. Yeah. I lost, in 2006, I lost the world title by like 0.37. Oh, man. And I fell on my last turn. Right. And I needed a 7.5 and got a 7.2 something. Which yeah, I needed 0.3 pretty much. Right. Uh, so that that kind of haunts me every day, uh, <laughs> a little bit anyway. Yeah. I, I you know it's and then in I got second again in Peru in the world title there and I fell on my last wave, and needed a nine something and got an 8.75 and didn't finish the wave. Uh, so yeah, those two little mistakes and I made them. You know they weren't like. Like I made the mistakes. Yeah, it wasn't. I, I fell and I, uncharacteristically as well, and something that I'd never done really before. Like just fell at times where I shouldn't fall. But right. I think you know. So it's that pressure thing you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, maybe, earlier. maybe. But um, I, I feel like that's gone now for me. I feel like I can be myself, and I don't have to prove myself to anyone. Yeah. And, and I think eventually I'll have my run, and things will go nicely, you know. Um, but it is about having that run to the final that that you know without any of those hiccups yeah and 20 minute heat or half an hour heat anything can happen you know so yeah, yeah. it's quite a lot especially you know the compete the level we we're competing at was high too and the french guys that i mean antoine who won the world title in peru you know he's top three in the world since he's been like 15. is that del pro del Perro, yeah. yeah del Perro, yeah so and, you know, and he's been my rival my 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 friend my enemy my you know <laughs> he's been everything and and now we're kind of full circle back to kind of friends and right and and friendly rivals again yeah he surfed at this event hasn't he yeah yeah times. yeah we'll be competing again this weekend yeah he's around again and his he? brother and yeah. that's the thing you know then his freaking brother came along you're kidding me so yeah. uh, and then you surf in finals with them too and another french guy you know right pretty tough so. yeah uh, yeah, there's, there's, but I, I loved it. I have to say, I, I mean, I loved it. I, it drove me to, 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 you know, I'm sure to do better than if I hadn't have had that kind of 
relationship with those boys, I don't think we would have pushed each other as far. Right. Um, it's been good. Yeah, yeah. So is there a good bit of camaraderie between the, yeah, the surfers? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, I've got some great, all the longboarders from around the world are all, all my friends, you know, yeah. so we're quite lucky. I mean, obviously I've competed a lot more with the French, so, you know, we've had more, more intense, <laughs> you know, sort of, uh, you know, competition, should I say, where, you know, a lot of things have happened when you're fighting for world titles, yeah, sure, yeah. titles over and over again. Yeah. You know, so at times we've, you know, we've had some tense moments and, but it, like I said, it's all come back round and yeah. at the end of the day, we're all friends. We yeah, just want yeah. the same thing. And when you're competitors, you're competitors, aren't you? So yeah. it's just trying to keep a head on your shoulders that that's in the water and when you're on the land, you know, you're friends. Yeah. So what does uh, surfing mean to you now then? What does it mean? I mean, it's kind of my whole life, you know. Uh, it's it's um, you know it's it's I don't know it's it's how I escape. It's kind of how I relax. It's how I enjoy. It's how I get my adrenaline. It's so many things for me, you know. It's how I enjoy my family time, and so it's what I do for work. I mean, it's just it's everything. So yeah, it means means the world to me. Yeah. Yeah, we built your life around it. I have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, when you sit back and look at it, all, you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah there really isn't anything else." Is yeah, there? it's all about surfing. Well, so. when you look at this scene, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's quite a setup you've built for yourself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's it's mad sitting back and having a look back and seeing what we've achieved, and you know, I'm proud of it. I'm I'm definitely proud of what we've done. Yeah, but there's still so far. So far to go and yeah. so much to do. So. Yeah, yeah, it was a lifetime, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, mate, appreciate it. It's no, good to see you and thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming to see me, Matt. Yeah, all much good, mate. Much appreciated. Yeah, all good. See you at the Boardmasters. Yeah. Well, yeah, good luck. <laughs> Cheers. So there you go. That was my chat with Ben Skinner. And I think you can tell we had a right laugh doing that one. Cheers, boys. You were very hospitable. Uh, I really enjoyed coming to visit you down in Newquay. So, yeah, see you again soon. I promised I'd follow it up with the results. And unfortunately, Ben didn't win Boardmasters this time around, losing out once again to his friend and occasional nemesis Antoine Del Pro. But I've got no doubt he'll be back as strong as ever. And since we spoke, the Surf Relic Tour has been announced. And yeah, I look forward to seeing how he does on that. So yeah, nice one, Ben. Thanks for coming on the show. So elsewhere, I just want to say thanks to everybody who's been in touch following last week's episode with uh, Marcus Chapman, in which we discussed Calm, our friend Nelson Pratt and Nelson's tour de Test Valley. The episode obviously hit home with a lot of people and it's been really brilliant to hear all the stories from people that have been in touch with me and Marcus about that. Um, we're just really glad that, that people enjoyed it so much and got so much out of it. So yeah, thanks for listening and, and getting in touch with us about that. Nelly's ride is actually tomorrow at the time of recording and I'll be there. So I hope to uh, see some of you then if you're at the, if by any off chance you're around at the event itself and while I'm at the ride I'm also hoping to interview my friend James Stenterford uh, UK surfer and snowboarder keener listeners and followers of the podcast will no doubt be thinking hmm I thought you'd already interviewed James Stenterford and you'd be correct and it was a really good one so imagine my surprise when I went to retrieve the interview files from my top-end digital recording device to find them uh, not there in plain English, I appear to have lost them. And I don't mind admitting, the last time I felt like that was when I stayed up all night writing an essay when I was at university. Got to 6am, hit full stop, 
sat back in smug relief only for the computer to crash and me to realise the whole thing hadn't saved. And it was due at 12pm that day. Um, I thought those days were over, but apparently not. And I did feel pretty much like that again the other night when I realised that I'd somehow managed to uh, yet lose James's interview. Anyway, James seemed to find the whole thing hilarious and has kindly agreed to do it again after we've done the bike ride tomorrow. So let's see how that goes. I mean, you know, from what I can tell, losing interviews or having some kind of recording malfunction is definitely a rite of passage in the podcast game. So hopefully that's mine out of the way now. And let's just be thankful that it wasn't the Alex Honnold one because there would have been no getting that one back. Elsewhere, it's been requested a few times. Uh, so I'm going to start looking into some Looking Sideways merch. You know, T-shirts, mugs, that kind of thing. No branded USB sticks, that's for sure. But yeah, I'm going to look into that, so I'll keep you posted on that one. Uh, and I'm also chatting to a couple of people about taking the Looking Sideways podcast live and recording an episode in front of a real live audience, which we then release online, which, again, if you follow the podcasting community, is definitely something that, that podcasts that reach a certain level of popularity do. And it would appear that um, I'm at that point, so... Yeah, talking to an event at the minute, just need to find the location of the guest. It might not happen. Um, if it does, great. You no doubt will be hearing about it from me. So if you've got any feedback or suggestions for good locations or guests, you know the drill. Hit me up on social or via the website, www.wearelookingsideways.com and keep the, uh, the guest suggestions coming. You know, I'm getting increasingly slated for the lack of women on the podcast all I can say is that I am very much trying to get more women on the podcast but it is it is just proven difficult it, for some reason it's proven much more difficult than getting men maybe the blokes just like shit talking more than the women I mean that's the conclusion I'm beginning to reach because any bloke that I ask just seems to say yes straight away any girl I ask doesn't so uh Anyone can shed any insight on that, love to hear it because uh, I am as keen as everybody that's uh, starting to give me shit about this <laughs> to, try and, to try and get it done. So yeah, I keep you posted. Uh, I'm, I am off to Ireland in a couple of days to see Eastkey Britain and unless she completely blows me out, she will be on a forthcoming podcast pretty soon and I'm looking forward to that one because she's a legend. Anyway, that's enough from me. I'm off. So until the next time, thanks for listening and see you later. Bye-bye.